light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we ask that you would minister to our hearts today through your word, that it would challenge us to grow in you and step outside of our comfort zone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I've titled this morning's message, What Did I Get Myself Into? Uh, And I titled it that way for two particular reasons. The very first is a conversation that I had with your pastor, Will Esler. Uh, Recently, he texted me as to whether I would be able to preach for him this morning. It's Will Esler, so I'm not going to say no. I said, yes, of course I can. And then I asked what I was preaching on, to which I got the texted reply, let me give you a call. My first thought was, what did I get myself into? When we were finally able to talk, he mentioned that the sermon series was every moment holy, about every moment in our life being holy to the Lord. And I thought, oh, surely it couldn't be that bad. Uh, and then he mentioned that my assignment would be addressing the fact that some of us feel awkward in social settings. When he said that, I replied on the phone, surely you are kidding. And he said, one, my name is not Shirley, and two, I am not kidding. And again came the thought, what did I get myself into? I'm convinced that Will Esler sits in his office devising ways that he can make me sweat during sermon preparation time. At that point, I made a decision that now my standard rule uh, for when Will Esler asks me to preach is to ask, what am I preaching first, and then decide on the yes or no. But as I began to think through the sermon, I was quickly reminded of something. I was reminded that I really do believe that the Bible is our all-sufficient guide for faith and life. What that means is that I believe that the Bible contains everything that I need to form right theology. It is everything, all sufficient. It has everything that I need. There isn't a theological question that I can have that isn't found an answer in the Bible. There isn't a theological question I have that I can't find an answer to in the Bible. But it also means that I believe the Bible contains everything I need to the questions that I have that arise in my personal life. Regardless of what the question is, regardless of what the circumstance is, the Bible has the answer. Every moment holy. And if I believe that the Bible, if I believe that it is true that the Bible has insight for me in those moments, then I believe that the Bible has insight for me in those moments when I feel awkward in social settings. Total transparency here. I often find myself feeling awkward in social settings. I have dealt with social anxiety and general anxiety since I was in middle school. I often find myself in those moments, in those social settings, asking myself, what did I get myself into? The second reason for the title of today's sermon. 
I've struggled with those things. Often people don't believe me. Orlando, you, you seem so comfortable in those settings. It's like that duck that you see that on the top above the water looks so calm and peaceful. But under the water, he's paddling like crazy. On the outside, I've learned to fake it till you make it. And on the inside, I'm paddling like crazy, hoping you don't realize that I'm faking it till I make it. It's interesting. I asked my Facebook friends um, that if they struggled with the feeling of being awkward in social settings to give me some words on what that feels like for them. Here's what they came up with. Inadequate, overwhelmed, choking fear, alone, pressured, unworthy, judged, lonely, uncomfortable, vulnerable, strange, exposed, ugly, undesirable, paralyzed, outsider, unaccepted, incapable, and frozen. Can you identify with any of that? And if so, what counsel does the Bible give to those of us that can identify with those words in social settings. I believe there's several things that the Bible tells us that we can apply to our lives for those moments when we feel that anxiety, that awkwardness in social settings. I believe the very first thing that we need to be reminded of through the scriptures is this. I believe the first thing we need to know is that our calling must be greater than our anxiety. That opening scripture out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, is a great reminder of that. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the light, into his marvelous light. I love that opening passage. When I graduated from Bible school many years ago, <laughs> That was our class verse. And I, I think we could literally take that verse and camp out there and unpack it enough for those moments when we feel anxiety and awkwardness in social situations. One of the things it says there is that we are chosen. I'm going to admit to you that I was never good at sports. I know, that's a shocker. You look at me and say, surely he was the athlete. No. No, I was never good at sports. If you were like me and weren't very good at sports, then you remember the anxiety of being chosen near the end. I was never chosen first. I was never chosen. I would have been happy to be mediocre, like being chosen right in the middle. Uh, I was always praying that on dodgeball day that Jeff wasn't absent. Because if he was, then I'd probably be the last one chosen. But that verse reminds me that he chose me. And I can have peace knowing that the one and the only one who matters chose me. We could talk about the fact that he calls us royal. I grew up a child of abject poverty. And that poverty created all sorts of anxiety in social settings. I hated group projects when they were assigned uh, and that we had to work on them in our homes with our friends. I hated them because I lived in government housing. I lived in the projects. And I wanted, I was always hoping for the male version 
of the Princess Diaries. I was always hoping for the Prince Diaries, that someone would show up on my doorstep and say, Orlando, I know you happen to be living in the projects. I know you, hap- you and your family happen to be on food stamps, but I just wanted to let you know that you did not know until this very moment, but you are a royal prince in exile, but soon you will be taken back to your country where you can rule and live in the palatial home that you've always desired. It never happened. It was, as, it was almost as bad as some muggles who were still waiting for their letter from Hogwarts. I longed for that. And I never got it until I was reminded that I am royal. But those ideas of being chosen and being royal, they all, they all really do serve a greater purpose. And it's this, it's to remind us of our calling. But you are chosen, you are royal, you are holy, you are his possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the light. That's my calling. I am called to share his marvelous and glorious deeds. I am called to share his life-giving, life-changing power. And that has to be greater than my anxiety. Hey, but Orlando, you don't understand. I, I just can't. I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert too. Again, no one believes that one either, Will. I'm an introvert too. Introverts unite on our own, in our own homes, by ourselves, in nice and quiet places. That's me. But there is a recognition that God has called me beyond myself to proclaim his glorious deeds. You say you can't, but I say you must. The world needs the message that you have. Even in your awkwardness, God has called you to carry the gospel message. Orlando, uh, this doesn't help with my social anxiety. Uh, As a matter of fact, I feel like it's making it a little worse. Good. Because the truth is that as we deal with the ideas of social anxiety and feeling awkward in social settings, especially if it is paralyzing to you, you must understand that you cannot do this alone. People want, my wife says, you can talk to anybody. You can walk up to a middle school student and start up a conversation. You can have a conversation with the 70-year-old. Like, you can talk to anybody. And the only reason that I can talk to anybody is because I do believe that I am called. And I can't do it in my own power. I only can do it in the power of Christ who dwells in me. Which brings me to the second idea of what I believe the scripture reminds us when we are suffering those moments of awkwardness in social settings. The scripture reminds us that what matters most is not what is on the outside. 
The scriptures remind us that what matters most is what is on our inside. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Did you catch that? We have what? A treasure. What do we have it in? Jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. This might be a mind-blowing statement. But each and every one of us is a jar of clay. Even the people that you see that on the outside look the most put together. They look like they have everything that you could ever want. They have all those qualities that you wish you had. They've got the poise. They've got the good looks. They've got the killer smile. They've got money in the bank. They are dressed to the nines. As a matter of fact, they might even be dressed to the tens. That's how sharp they are dressed. You look at them and you think, that's the kind of person I want to be. Can I tell you something? That person is a jar of clay just like you. Even the most put-together people are part of broken humanity. Nothing on the outside is of any lasting importance. Nothing on the outside is eternal. And as I stand in a social situation feeling awkward because I feel like, oh my gosh, look at these high-powered people in high-dollar suits. And I got my suit on clearance at Dillard's when they had an extra 50% off the clearance price. That, That literally is how I shop. And God says, you're looking at the outside, but that's not really what makes a difference to me. God puts little import on the outside. As a matter of fact, he made it clear in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, when he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or on his height of stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I have always wished to have that great athletic build but you can wish all you want to if you never go to the gym that's my problem I want a hot body but I also want tacos and I try to do those things that make me different or make me better or improve my stature or improve my quality, whatever, make me look better in front of everyone else. And this is a great reminder that I don't have to be anything more than what I already am because even if I look better on the outside, the outside is still just a jar of clay. I'll grow weary comparing the outside because there will always be someone better looking, someone smart. Well, not always someone smarter, but most of the time. (laughs) I'm just kidding. There will always be someone better looking. There will always be someone smarter. There will always be someone with more money in their bank account. There will always be someone more athletic. There will always be someone who has outdone you 
always. And I, I'll grow weary if I'm comparing the outside. I will always feel awkward if I am comparing the things on the outside. But when I remember that ultimately the outside is a jar of clay and the fact that there is a treasure on the inside, that is where I find my peace. Because that treasure on the inside is nothing less than Jesus Christ himself. I encourage you, in those moments when you feel awkward in social settings, remember everyone in that room is a jar of clay. And you, my friend, have a treasure on the inside. And while I'm addressing people that feel awkward in social settings, there are some of us in this room that do not feel awkward in social settings. I recognize that. I do want you to hear something out of this sermon too. When you deal with someone feeling awkward, remind yourself that they have a treasure on the inside. And that is what matters most. The scriptures remind us that our calling is greater than our anxiety. It reminds us that what matters most is what's on the inside and not what's on the outside. The scriptures also remind us that we are to walk in light. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7 through 7 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Listen to this. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. Did you catch that? If we walk in the light, it could have said we have fellowship with God. But that's not what he says. He says if we walk in the light, what do we have? Fellowship one with another. There is something about walking in his light that creates fellowship. We've all experienced that before. We've all met someone who just oozes godly presence. And we're like, I don't know what it is about him, but I like him. I want to be his best friend. Like literally, I've met people, I'm like, where's the best friend application? Like, can, can I fill that out right now? Because I, I, I really... There is something about walking in his light. And I think it's the fact that when we walk in his light, his light is bright enough to cover your awkwardness. I recently got a side gig. I've told you all before, I do this little thing with the sod poodles. I'm the on-field MC. I was not a baseball fan until I started working for the sod poodles. And now I'm a baseball fan, and I'll go, and I like, I enjoy watching baseball. And, you know, sometimes we're out there, and it's, the sun's still out, and someone hits a, 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 a really high pop fly, and I see those guys, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, and then all of a sudden, I lose the ball. You know why? Because the sun is so bright that I just, I can't see where that ball is. And I'm hoping that the opposing team person, the opposing player who's under that ball, I'm hoping that that son is blinding him too so that he doesn't see the ball either. Right? There is something about a light so bright that it takes away from other things. And the only thing that you see is the light. 
take comfort in the fact that his light is bright enough to cover your awkwardness. I've been, I'm, I, I, for a while I, I did the uh, emceeing for um, a, uh, a fundraiser from Opportunity School called Lips. And I, can, I, I, I told Jill, the director, I said, I, this, this has me so far out of my comfort zone, I'm so nervous. And Jill said, Orlando, everyone wants to like you. That shocked me. Awkward, uncomfortable Orlando, filled with anxiety? Wait, what? It shocked me because I'm a game board loving, trivia spouting, bibliophile who enjoys Star Wars and quiet evenings alone. And you want to like me? But I'm convinced, I hope, that what is likable about me is the light of Christ that obscures my deepest flaws and greatest anxieties. I hope that I can walk close enough to the light that it hides everything else. As you deal with people around you who suffer from social anxiety, don't look at the awkward. Look at the light. We're reminded that our calling is greater than our anxiety. What's most important is what's on the outside, not the inside. We're reminded to walk in the light. And I finish with this. The scriptures remind us ultimately that we are made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Even in your awkwardness and anxiety, you are still the image of God. No, no, no. Look, Orlando, you don't understand. You know, I, you, you, you don't, I do understand. I do get it. I have been there. I understand more than you realize, but perhaps what you don't understand is it takes all sorts to make up the body. There's eyes and ears. There's mouth. Some have hair. (laughs) But there's also things like belly buttons. Not the most beautiful or amazing, but a belly button serves its purpose. And you know what? We couldn't live without belly buttons. Even in your awkwardness, even when you feel like a belly button, you are part of the body that God has created and designed. You are made in his image. When you interact with someone with social anxiety issues, remind yourself that you have never met someone who is not made in the image of God. The Bible is our all-sufficient guide for faith in life. 
In it, I am reminded that I am called, that what's on the inside is more important than what's on the outside. I am challenged to walk in the light as a means of creating fellowship. And perhaps most importantly, I am reminded that I bear the image of the Most High, even in the midst of my awkwardness and anxiety. I'm going to end with a prayer that Will sent me in preparation for this sermon. It's entitled, The Liturgy for Those Who Feel Awkward in Social Gatherings. Let's pray. Lord, I know this about myself. You have created me as one who best flourishes with daily rhythms of solace and long moments for quiet reflection. When I find myself instead in noisy, crowded spaces amidst constant social interactions, my energies are soon depleted and I am left feeling inadequate, awkward, uncomfortable. I know this about myself, O Lord. In a room full of people, I would rather retreat into a quiet corner and flip through the pages of a book than step beyond the walls of myself to engage another person in conversation. And this desire in and of itself is neither a sin nor a virtue, but simply a description of my feelings, and yet it presents me with a choice. For you have not called me to insulate my heart from others or from the discomfort I might feel in the presence of acquaintances and strangers. You have called me instead to learn to love by my small actions and choices those whose paths I cross moment to moment in all settings. And so despite my shyness, I would rather learn to emulate your mercies by entering the lives of others, affirming their dignity and worth, simply by showing interest in the details of their lives, however awkward I might feel in the process. Give me the grace, therefore, O God, to love others, to move towards them when my instinct is to run. Here is my social clumsiness, my insecurities, my weariness, my fear of rejection, and, and here also is my desire to be your emissary and your child. Use them as you will. You do not call me to be cool, to be sophisticated, to be charming, to be the life of the party. You do not call me to be a social butterfly or to work the room. You call me simply to love, even in my own bumbling way. Somehow use my very weakness, O oh God, in the service of your kingdom. When next I find myself in a room filled with people where the din of conversation is disorienting, do what I cannot do. Quell my discomfort enough that I might consider with true compassion the needs of another human being. Then let me consciously, as an act of love and choosing to love, move towards that person. Let your grace compel my movements. In such moments, let me think less of myself and my own awkwardness, let me think more of others. In all moments, let me think, of, think less of myself and my own awkwardness, O oh Lord, and let me think of you more. Amen.